cliffcentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today, as usual, the effervescent Lionel Makokotlela. Welcome, Lionel. Thank you for the introduction. Dumelangbachachesu and the followers of Cliff Central. And today we are going to be really entertaining you. Today we talked to a lady who was trapped in a relationship of domestic abuse. It was mm. so bad that the man she was involved with once grabbed a knife and ordered her to kill her own little daughter. Wow. Nothing could stop the sadist. What he ultimately carried out was monstrous and frightening. You just have to hear the story firsthand to believe that these things do happen. Lines, yeah. It does happen, and um, when it does happen to you, you really tend to see things differently because people will actually ask you questions, but they will really never understand them until they walk in your shoes. So it does happen. I know it from first-hand experience as well. In studio today, Ines Antonio. Bon dia or botard. Welcome to you. Are you from Mozambique originally? Yes. Welcome to you. Joining you today is Anne-Marie Dupont. Deploy of the everyone calls you Annie. Yes, <laughs> Annie. Deploy of I the Hero Burn Foundation. Yes. Welcome. Thanks for being here as well. Thank you. Later on in the show, we're going to follow up with the South African chef Albert Batenhuis. He's back in South Africa after having been scorped out of New Zealand because the Kiwis rated him too fat. He's Is crazy, he? isn't it? <laughs> Did he prepare something for us? <laughs> Yeah, well, he's too fat. I mean, he may have gone thinner by now. Our email address, law, L-A-W, at cliffcentral.com. Our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. And the Twitter handle, lines you it's can get at Heads Law, uh, which is H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Our controller today, Palessa, and our researcher, Benji Scheinberg, as usual. Ines, you were born in Mozambique. You came to South Africa. What age were you when you came here? I was 14 years old. Okay. Uh, did you go to school in South Africa as well? Yes. Now, you met a man uh, who's the man that we're going to be discussing today. Uh, what age were you when you met him? I was 19. He was considerably older than you? Yes. And uh, he, how did you meet up, the two of you? I was staying in Benoni, and you also used to live in the same place, and... Mm. One day I left with my friends for lunch and I met him along the way and we became friends for like a month and then we started dating. Okay. He, uh, what did he do for a living? He said to me he worked as IT, but I didn't believe him as much because I've never seen him going to work. So not so sure what he was doing. Yeah. What was it about him that you liked so much? He's a good listener. The fact that you can talk to somebody and relate um, the same story, my life story and his story, it was kind of clicked and, you know, we, he, we used to talk about everything. And yeah, that's how we, I got comfortable with him and, uh, 
we started dating. Afterwards. Did your parents or any of your family ever get to meet him? No. Are your um, parents in South Africa? They were dead already. Oh, I see. Yes. Passed on. When you came to South Africa at 14, did you have parents? Yes, I, my mom died when I was a few months old baby, and my, I was raised up by a dad. And I stayed with my brother when I came here in 2016, in 2006. Mm. And that's when he also abused me, and then my dad got me a place to stay on my own and go to school. And then he also passed away in 2009. And that's when I met. Um, What's this man's name? Jan Peterson. Jan Peterson. Yes. Is that his legitimate, his real name? Jan Peterson Vroslow. Jan Johannes Peterson Vroslow. Something like that's his name. Okay. Was he in the beginning? I mean, was he gentle towards you? Did you sense anything untoward, anything strange about him when you first met him for the first month or two or so? The first month I met him, everything was fine. Everything Mm. was just perfect, you know? Um, we could talk about everything. Like I said, we could, he was a good person. I don't know what, how he became the way he did. Maybe that was just his personality was just maybe, you know, lying about who he was. And then actually he's something different. You fell pregnant with his child. Yes. Uh, what was his reaction when you told him? He told him to have an abortion. And I refused to have an abortion, and I told him we should just split. So we broke up, and I looked after my pregnancy. Did he and ever swear at you? And Yes, he swore at me. What he, did he call you? What kind of names did he call you? He called me a bitch. He called me a kefir. He called me... Um, he used the K word? He called me a crocodile. I have a crocodile is he a white, Was Is he a white man? He's a white Afrikaans man, yes. And, you, and you're a black Mozambican? Yes. Did he say anything about your child that uh, he didn't want? He told me, he said, the child's going to come out albino. Um, the child won't come out the way he wants to. So I'd rather get pregnant for somebody else. And then I told him, why well, are you not using, you know, both? Uh, so, yeah. And uh, Did he ever force you to try and have an abortion? Yes, I did try, but I refused. Mm. And I looked after my pregnancy. After I had a baby, he contacted me and he said he wanted to see his child so he, yeah. I let him see the child and then he forced me to get married to him and I refused and that's when he started threatening me telling me I'm going to die, he's going to kill me if I think I'm going to finish my studies And yeah. uh, Were you studying at the time? Yes, I was studying at the time What were you studying? I was doing grade 12, metric Okay um, when uh, when you were going through your pregnancy, was he around? Did he he wasn't around at no, all? He there was wasn't no around. one to support you from, from from his side. There was no money coming in. There was no one to support me. There was nothing coming. Your baby was born where? Edenvale ho- Hospital. The government hospital. Yes. Yeah. He wasn't around until how long after the baby was born? Until the baby was about a year. Uh, this when he as came. As late as that. Yes. Yeah. But he used to contact me all the time, but I never let him come close to us because he told me he's going to take my child and send her to the orphanage because if I don't take him back. So that's why I didn't want him around my daughter. How did he uh, manage to live? What was he? He wasn't working. What was he living off? Was he in receipt of he some wealth? He had one or? foot longer than the other. One leg longer than the other. Yeah. yeah. And then he applied his disability grant, I think. They used to pay me 1500 somewhere there, mm. and that's what he used to live on. Where was he living? Benoni. But where? In what? In a house or in a flat or where was it? It was a two-bedroom cottage. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he came back 
a year later and he said, I want to see the child and I want to reconnect with you and I want to marry you, he said to you. Yes, and I refused because yeah. I know how he was already. Mm. So, How was he towards the child in the beginning? I mean, it was his own flesh and blood, really. He pretended to like her for the first month. And then later I could see that he wasn't there for the child. He actually was um, coming in the name of the child just to come close to me, not with, for the child, actually, to always uh, wanted me to be with him again. And he went to home affairs and booked for um, wedding and stuff. And I refused and gave me a ring. I still refused. And that's where all the threats and everything came. Mm. So he was desperate to marry you. Yes. And so you, you can have You didn't want to know. You weren't interested in this. No, one. I wasn't interested because I know how he was already. All he says he abuses me and then he comes with flowers and chocolate and says he's very sorry. He will never do it again and I must try to understand he's a different person. It's just um his work uh is uh pressuring him so my life and then I ask him what work? Why don't I know where you work? And then he never tells me anything. And then he tells me, No, he's so stressed. Um I don't know what he was stressed or what uh, his stress was coming from So He never actually gave me the explanation That I deserved So you know I refused I didn't want to be with him Because every time he gives me flowers and chocolate After a week and then he comes back He does the very same thing And I kept taking him back Until then Then I stepped on the ground and I said no So the fact that I said no to myself I had to be punished to be burned and stuff How long were you together with him Before you fell pregnant? About a year And in that year why did you stay with him? Well, I always I believe people deserve second chance, and well, I you gave him more than one chance. Didn't yes, you? more than one chance. How many, yeah. how many chances did you give him? Sure, more than five, maybe. Was he was he physically abusive or just? He was emotionally, physically abusive. He used to smack you around. He used to smack me, and yet you took him back. Yes, I did. Take it wasn't back. a financial thing. He wasn't paying you anything, so it wasn't as though you needed his money. One wonders what it was about him. Did you think you could change him? What was it that you? I thought I could change him. I thought he could become a better person and show him the way. Let's go to church. Let's talk about this. Why are you like that? And so, you know, you can change your ways. Uh, I believe you can't change a person. You can't change a person. I thought I could change him actually, and plus, he was a good listener. I had somebody to talk to. So, yeah. he used all that against me. Okay, so was he ever threatening towards your little girl, to your daughter? Yes, he was. He never liked her. He actually told her, I'm not your father. Don't call me daddy. So, the child stopped calling him daddy. Did he ever pull out a knife? I think you mentioned he pulled yes, out. Yes, he, he got a knife the one um, evening. He said he wanted to see my child and he didn't want to leave again. So, mm. I told him to leave after seeing the child. Because he wasn't actually there to see the child, but he wanted um, me to take him back. Because he kept talking about me and him, not the child. So I, I so told him, you know what? I don't want to be with you. So just go. You already saw your child, but you, I can see that you don't want to see the child. Actually. So why don't you just go? And he says, no. And then otherwise you take the knife and then you kill the child. I said, so I must go to jail. Why don't you do it? So he, he refused and he pushed me away. He punched me. That's the same night I called the police as well. What happened? Did the police come? They came. Yeah. When I told him about everything, the police, instead of arresting this person, I'm bleeding and I'm on the floor and my child is right there. Uh, also Did crying. he beat you up in front yes, of your child? Yes, he beat me up in front of the child after forcing me to kill my own daughter with a knife. 
And the police, instead of arresting him, they now want to become a counselor. They want to tell him, no, this guy loves you so much. Why don't you give him a chance? And he's in the background. They're like, yeah, I love her so much and I'm disabled and I really want to be with her so much. Why well, she doesn't she take me back? And, and the police didn't arrest him. They just left it like that. They didn't even open a case against it. Did you ever consider getting a protection order? I did. Did you get a protection order? I did get a protection order. He signed it. And what was the effect of that? What did he... I still got phone calls from this guy. Sorry, the protection order said what? That he must stay away from you? He must stay away from my house. He must stay away from my school, from my house, from my workplace. He must stay away from me and my child. And he mustn't call me anymore because he kept... Um, calling me and messaging me every single day, more than 50 messages a day I'll receive from him and threatening. And every single time I'm at school, my friends told me, like, Inez, you saw your child's father. Like, really? Wait, like, we saw him over there just next to vets. And I felt like and he, that he was um, spying on me. He was following me, actually, mm-hmm. because every single time somebody tells me I saw it and I bumped into him a few times and I asked him what he was doing next to my workplace because whenever he sees me, swears at me, promised me that what's going to do to me. Did the magistrate explain to you that a warrant of arrest was being authorized at the same time? Did he explain the effect of the protection order? That he was giving you a protection order, but they issue a warrant of arrest at the same time, meaning that it's held back. And if the person doesn't adhere to the order, the warrant of arrest kicks in. Did they explain that to you? Yeah. Did you know about a warrant of arrest? Because that was available to you, I presume, if you got a proper protection order. Yes, I had a protection order. And they said, um, if he calls me, tries to contact me or come close to me or talk to me, even anywhere I'm going to, uh, I am at, he, he was supposed to be arrested. Yeah, absolutely. But it never happened. When I went to the police station and I spoke to the police and this lady said to me, does he live with you? I said, no. But, and then why he lives in Benoni and comes all the way here? I said, but, Listen, I have a protection order. It's right here. Can you please just arrest this guy? We can't go to Benoni. Maybe you have to go to Benoni police station and they will arrest him for you. And then I said, but this guy keeps coming here. As we speak now, he's outside throwing things. I had to take a back door and come here. They didn't come with me. They said to me, just be careful and watch your back. So you didn't get much uh, help from the police, did no, you? No, everyone mm. failed me. The police failed me. Yeah. Did you ever think did you ever think he was going to do something really bad? I never thought it was going to go this way. Did you think he was going to maybe kill you or not not you didn't think it would be I that? never you know I'm not that kind of person and sometimes I'm not that kind of person so when you see somebody doing that I don't know I'm not that kind of person and you were you 20 think, you were 20 years you old. You, yeah you were you were young you were inex, inexperienced immature 20 years old. He was a much older man. What, nearly 20 years older than you? Yes. Yeah. You came from a foreign country. Uh, you'd only been here a few years, and you now had a, to look after yourself and your little a little girl. Yeah. Yes. This lunatic was running around following you, abusing you, swearing at you. The racism, the racist words he used against you that I've seen are frightening. Yes. That he should, you know, that he should use that. Yes. Against you or anyone for that matter. Yes. He called, he used the K word constantly. Yes, he did. Called you a bitch and a K bitch. He did. Mm. He did tell me, if you can't have me, nobody will have me. I'm going to die and no one is ever going to support me. I will die. You will kill me and feed me to the animals in Kruger National Park and no one will ever find my body. This is what he said to me. Tell us the day that he did something that's changed your life. 
Where were you? What happened? Tell us in in some detail. It was around um nine um uh seven o'clock. I left. I came from school and I grabbed my. I went to fetch my daughter from crash, and she said to me, "Mommy, I don't want to um have this meal. She wanted something else." And then I like, and then I also remember that I had to get few things for the house as well that I needed. So as we walked. And we turned around the corner and there he was parked in this white vehicle. And he got out and he said to me and my daughter to get in the car. And I refused. And I said, what you want? What are you doing in my area? And he said to me, are you taking me back or not? I refused. I said, I'm not taking you back. Why didn't you get the answer? I'm not taking you back and I want you back in my life. Just go away before I call the police for you. And then he said to me, he has a present for my daughter. And then he grabbed my child to throw in the car. Say, if you have a present, why do you have to throw it in the car? And then after that, I grabbed my child, got out of the car, and then when he, it happened like in few seconds, just opened the boot, and they say, you bitch, and it threw, uh, um, it was a big coffee container with acid. And I said, I pulled my daughter behind me, actually, before I saw something coming. I just pulled her behind me. And so she fell behind me, and, um, I started burning instantly. And I started acid screaming. All over your face and your, and your body. body. Yeah. And I started burning and screaming. And I see, you know, my, my, my skin being eaten by acid and my, my boobs, my nipples falling apart, being eaten. Uh, this was so awful. Uh, and, uh, I can never imagine somebody, a human being can do that to a person. Never. <laughs> And I'm just grateful that I saved my child that day. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a bad experience. I'll never do that to anyone. Never. So until today, when I remember that day, it's not easy. Did any acid get onto your child? Yes, on a, on a, just on an arm. On an upper arm and arm. They burnt her as well, obviously. Yeah, the jersey, yes. She yeah. was just very red on the chest and the arm was a little bit burned, but not much as me. Thank you, Panessa, for the tissues. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started burning instantly and some of the acid I swallowed. It's just a bitter taste and I stopped talking for about, and then I passed out on the floor. I saw a police actually coming and I said his name and I gave them my name and I passed out and my daughter was there on the floor crying and the last thing I saw, he went to the child and grabbed her by the hair and he kicked and says, Good your fucking mother, good your fucking money, piece of shit. And he kicked out against the pavement and the child was also bleeding and started crying. And also, that hurts me so much that I can't even help my own child being beaten that way. Because I am burning here. And <laughs> so I pass out and I woke up in the hospital and I asked the doctor what happened. They started explaining to me again and then I fell asleep again. <laughs> Who took your daughter away? Uh, some, um, my rent lady. Uh, once I screamed his name, I said, Mama, please help me. And threw me a seat. And she also came running. They said, some strange men said, some lady came running and grabbed the child. So that lady was my, um, rent lady who took my child and looked after her for about a month. I just want to talk to Anne-Marie for a moment. And Anne-Marie, you from the, the Burn, Hero Burn Foundation. Yes. 
I just don't want to digress from the story, but maybe you can just describe the burns that she's been that she got and been through. Um, yes. Well, burns is it's besides from the trauma, the intense trauma, it's very very painful. Um, Inez has not only gone through the trauma of the burns, but also emotional trauma, which. Uh, contributed to her pain levels being more intensified. Mm. When I met her, she was in a total state. Um, How long after the incident did you meet her? I met her about five months after the incident. Describe her skin to us, if you can, when you met her. When I met her, she already started to develop quite a few contractures um, because of the keloid growth and... um, yeah, she what does that mean in simple terms, really? Um, scar tissue that keeps on growing and then inhibits the movement of your limbs. Mm. So it, it makes the limb actually stiff so that you can't have the full movement of your limbs. She had extreme contractures in her neck that um, extended from her ears to her shoulders. And she was in pain 24 hours a day Her mouth was forced open by these contractures So she couldn't actually close her mouth She had throbbing pain 24 hours a day Yeah You were at the Chris Harney Barrow Gwaneth Hospital? Yes And you spent a month there? Two months and a half Two and a half months and your little girl was looked after initially by your landlady, and then who took care of her? Landlady, and then this um, my my ex boss's friend took my daughter and stayed with her. Your daughter, for about a year plus. your daughter was what age when she, when this incident happened? She was four years old. So she was old enough to kind of see the agony that you were going through. Yes, she saw everything and. So this relationship with this man was was over like five years. It wasn't a quickie. It was a five-year relationship with him. But we broke up when I was two months pregnant. and But he kept um, threatening me, telling me what's going to do to me. And no one is going to help me. And yes, he was right. And the police didn't help me. Because he even told me the police won't help you. And they, they didn't help me. They failed me. The police arrested him immediately? Not the police arrested him. Um, this private investigator saw my story in a newspaper. And then after that, he, he was contacted by Anna Cox, the star editor. Mm. And then that's when he went, he helped me out. He okay, let's take that slowly. The, the police didn't, weren't at the scene, never no, came there? They were, they, the guy, uh, the private investigator helped me out. To get to trace him. Who is this? Does he, can it's you mention? Sean. His name is Sean. What's his, a, what's his surname? I don't know his surname. I mean, do you want to credit him with, with having apprehended? Yes, because he was on the run and, um, he burned him on the 2nd of November 2014 mm. and he was only, uh, the, I, all the time the police didn't arrest him. I gave them the, the, uh, the address where to get him everything. Did they come to the hospital to interview you? They only came once. Where I couldn't even talk mm. And then Never came back again Aside from your little girl Were there other witnesses that witnessed this? There was this man Who was walking by mm. Passing by I didn't see him properly But I saw some men passing by It was just me and him, my daughter They, they you know, he planned the whole thing The street was just so quiet This was at night? 
nine and a half past seven. At night? Yes. If it wasn't for the private investigator who had seen this article written by Anna Cox of The Star, this man would have got away with, yes. with half murdering you. Yes. You could have gotten away with it. How did Anna Cox pick up the story? She was contacted by Ida Waniki. Um, this lady who also is my ex-boss's friend and my mm. ex-boss Jennifer. Mm. Um, Jennifer Ford and her friends as well. And they also had, um, some lady working with Mia Lindeke. Um, that's when they got a hold of the whole theme and they came together and they put the article out there and they started speaking about it and while he was on the run and they started a private investigator read a story on a newspaper and he did this for free yeah for free he did this for free and how did he find this lunatic well i gave him um his contact so he found it easily easily the police had the father's contact the sister's contact his contact his full address his father's address in Fernahan and his address in Pinoni and they didn't do anything about it so they told me one day they called me they said to me um they are um they are at uh, his gate and he's not opening the gate so they were leaving they went there on two o'clock in the afternoon. How can you go and find somebody at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Of course, it's going to run away. Go in the morning. You got 5 in the morning. 5 in the morning or 3 a.m. in the morning or something. I mean, they work 24 hours. I mean, they know my case because I've been all the time in the old police station trying uh, always um, open cases against him, but they never used to open them. I always call them. Did anyone bring your little girl to see you in hospital? No, I was so scared of her mm. not to um, recognize you, me. And mm. Were you, yes. Did you have bandages around your face? And All, your... Yes, my face and body. So you didn't want her to see this? No, I didn't want to fit in her. And I was also thought maybe she wouldn't recognize me. Did you realize how bad it was? Yes, I did once. The, the first time I looked in the mirror, I was even scared of myself too. How long after the incident did they take the bandages off for you to see? After two months and a half. And then you saw yourself in the mirror? I saw myself in the mirror. I was all pink on my face. And but and then they just took them off quickly just to, you know, clean them up and stuff. And when I look at myself, they were so scared. I couldn't sleep even. I didn't know. I thought I saw a monster in the mirror. I couldn't see myself there. I cried a lot. And I couldn't sure. face it. I mm. couldn't face it. To see myself before and then to see myself after. Being changed by somebody who thinks he owns you. It's not that easy. And then they had to put bandage all over me again because I still had wounds. Yes. Yeah. Lange, you want to ask anything or should I? Yeah. The road that she traveled is the road, the same road that I actually traveled, except mm. that her, in her case, at least in my case, I didn't actually get bent. I was actually gagged with a plate in my face by a professional, a well-known lawyer, by the way, a very powerful one. I got a very same protection order. He tried to challenge that. I stood my ground. We are now actually busy going to courts uh, back and forth because he tried to intimidate me. But this is something that actually happens. But in my case, I was just called a gold digger at first. It started with me being called stupid. And when I actually inquire, why am I stupid? And what makes you smart? And he would tell me, no, I've got two master's degree. And, and I'll be saying, but how old are you? were you when you actually obtained your master's degrees? And how old am I when I actually went for mine? And that would actually piss him off. And holidays, the one time actually I was locked out of a hotel room in Cape Town for the jazz festival because... He just felt like um, this is it. And that was the last Lines, time. Lines, we may have just lost connection for a moment. Just oh, let's okay. check it out. 
um, Palessa. I may have lost connection for oh, her. There we go. Okay. So lines, uh, let's just, I hear you. Let's move on to, you know, we just have to ask you quickly, the trial. Eventually he was charged with what? A murder? Attempted, not murder, attempted murder? It was just a simple assault. It wasn't attempted murder. Just assault? Yes. It must after. be assault with, to, mm-hmm. with the intent to do grievous bodily harm? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Did you go to court and give evidence, obviously? Everything was right there. All the messages that he sent me before the burns and after the burns, everything was just in front of the judge. And the judge still gave him 10 years. I don't know if it includes parole or doesn't. You said something that I found quite remarkable. You said that you forgave him. Yes, I forgave him. Explain what you mean by that. Why? It's not because of the child we have together. When I just sit and I look back, like, what made him to do this? Why is he doing this? Um, and then I just put myself... Started, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think I understand where you're coming from with relation uh, to forgiveness. You were just actually a victim of his weakness yes. as opposed to his wickedness. Yes. And that is where forgiveness come about. And yes. you, you've just actually understood yes. the lesson behind what yes. you actually had to go yes. through. And that is just the way to actually profoundly let go of the anger and the why me kind of victim mentality. I also forgive him because, you know, I have he already done so much damages and what is the point me carrying all the anger with me and you know, killing myself more. Exactly, because you've oh. got a child that you need to look after. I have my life. I still have goals to achieve. Certainly. I still have dreams to live. So I put myself in a position, why do I have to live? Because I know what he wanted to do. That's why. That's where the forgiveness come in. Because he wanted to put, to give me, uh, he wanted to make me angry so I can live, uh, uh, just to live like an angry person, to kill myself, to end my own life, to dislike myself. And that's what he wanted to create all that in me. And I will not allow him to do that. That's why I forgive him and I want him to go. That's it. In court, he argued that he acted in self-defense, which is absolutely ridiculous. The court dismissed that argument. And he was found guilty. He should have been charged with a greater offense yes. of attempted murder. He got 10 years. He could be out in five years. Yes. Uh, he'll get parole, presumably. And that will be that. I mean, do you think when he comes out, or, or let me ask you two questions. Are you going to visit this man or do you want to have nothing to do with him? I don't want to visit this man. I want nothing to do with him. Does he still Just try and make contact know. with you from the prison? Is he he used to. Mm. After all the burns and everything, he called me privately, intimidated mm. me, but I never uh, uh, picked up. And um, I knew that was him because whenever I, I'm sorry, I picked up once and no one was talking. Somebody just sounded like on the breathing on the background, like, you know, somebody breathing, trying to scare me. Mm. Then I changed my numbers after that. Yeah. He, I, initially, I think he was sending you SMSs saying he's going to finish the job. Yes. Yeah, meaning he's going to. He's going to yes. end your life. You say to Frightening, me. isn't it? Yes. I, I think you've also said that domestic violence is not taken seriously in this country, and you may have experienced that. I, I think the, the, the laws in place are such that uh, our country takes us very seriously, domestic violence, very, very seriously. Whether it's implemented or not appears, in your case, to have failed you. 
it does indeed, uh, Gary. It, it's never taken seriously. The implementation is shocking. You go to the police station, the very first thing, in my case, because I was a gay guy, they actually asked me, who, who did what? I said, my partner. How long have you guys been together? Six years. Oh, so who's the man? Who's the female? They start laughing. So that on its own, it just shows you the level of seriousness that uh, authority takes this kind of uh, incidents seriously And in some cases they'll just tell you Oh no, we know you guys Tomorrow you'll come here and just uh, try to withdraw the, uh, the charges So at the end of the day, go home and think about it That is what you actually get But yet the, implement, the, the policies, they look so good and well written But the implementation, it's really shocking It's failing the system, uh, it's failing the communities mm-hmm. uh, Benj, our researcher, you want to ask something on protection orders? Yes, Gary. I wanted to ask. Um, obviously, does this just go on to uh, attacking someone, or is it also verbal, emotional abuse? What does protection orders actually cover? Yeah, it's a very, a very good question, that Ben. Protection orders do, does not just cover uh, physical violence. I mean, it covers a lot. It covers sexual abuse. It covers emotional abuse, psychological abuse, verbal abuse. Intimidation, stalking, harassment, bullying, all of that. It's either covered by the Domestic Violence Act or the Harassment Act. So either way, your rights are protected by one of those. If you've been in in some kind of relationship with someone, then you're covered by the Domestic Violence Act. What should happen here is a lot of people are saying, well, protection orders are all very well, but they don't really work. And uh, people are scared that if they get a protection order, it becomes worse because the the lunatic on the receiving end of the protection order becomes more violent, yes, which is def- a concern, isn't it? Yes, and if yeah. someone doesn't obey their protection order, what can be done? Yeah, well, uh, you know, sometimes the horse is bolted. They get the protection order. There are many cases. In the USA, I was reading that some of the most severe cases of domestic violence involve uh, victims who have protection orders. They already have them. Crazy. And uh, no one can predict really which cases will will erupt into a, into a homicide, into a murder. One's got to be so careful about that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if the police, the police have got strong, um, from the top, strong, strong instructions from the top to treat domestic violence cases with, with, with urgency and, and with immediate attention. So if you don't get what you want, you've got to go higher up than that. I think maybe you just, you know, you went to the charge office and you kind of reported it, but you didn't pursue it. And that's the, the tragedy of it. You should have gone higher up and said, listen, I'm not getting my results. Am I right? Yes. Anneri, you were also involved. It wasn't domestic violence. You no. were involved in a... Uh, Airplane accident, yeah. yes. Yeah. What happened to you? This was in 2008, October. Mm. Uh, me and my husband and my father-in-law was in a light aircraft accident in which I was then trapped. My father-in-law passed away on impact. And my husband saved my life by t- freeing me from most of the rubble and the chair that broke and shielding me from most of the flames. Um, we waited for about three hours for medical help and ambulances, and we were then transferred to Park Burns Unit. Mm. <clears throat> we were both sedated and ventilated, and I only woke up three and a half months later to learn that my husband actually passed away 11 days after the accident. Mm. 
It's a long, lonely road for burn survivors going through the pain and constant reconstruction and having to cope with you not looking the same, wondering how the society will accept you again. What are you going to do um, to to generate income again? Most of the people don't go back to work again. Mm. They can't work again. Um, the f- level of anxiety attacks and trauma combined with the high pain, it's, it's really debis- disabilitating. So um, I've, after three years, I realized that the only thing that helps for me was to make contact with other burn survivors and speak to them, mm. reach, reaching out to them, taking my experiences and see how I can help them. And that in return yielded me. I then I then founded the foundation and it's called the Hero H E R O. Yes. Hero Burn Foundation. Yes. You do some wonderful work. I think you got in touch with our guest. Yes. And uh, you've helped her through this very lonely path, as you call it. Yeah, there was mm. actually quite a few angels sent over path. Um, of which Ida that she mentioned also And Ida contacted me and told me about Inez mm. I then phoned her and made contact with her And visited her for the first time mm. And then I realized in what state she is um, And we started there yeah. with, with support How's Inez doing right now? She's in such a better place, space right now I think... Mm. Part of what she said um, she needed to forgive is that forgiving gave her the space to move forward. Um, she needed to heal, not only physically but emotionally. Mm. After the court case, she went for about another 10 procedures and um, in which they reconstructed a lot of the parts of her body that she lost. Mm. And that gave her a bit more self-confidence. Um, she's, she's got less pain um, because of the contractures that was cut away. And she now currently has purpose by doing her grade 12 over weekends. And she feels that she can actually now go, now go out and search for a job, mm. which she didn't see a future for her in the future. So... That's, she's doing good. Are there any doctors that we should thank publicly that, yes. that helped you? Mention yes. their names, people Gabriel that have Gabriel Dukas. Dr. Gabriel Dukas. He did wonders on Dr. Gabriel? He, he put a smile on my face. Yeah. He saved where's, my life. where's he from? Which hospital is he attached to? Um, you said the Linksfield Medcare Hospital. Yeah, mm. he, he, did, he did most um, of the reconstruction afterwards. Mm. Um, a lot of funds were raised through 702 Radio Stage 702, Eyewitness oh. News, a lot of reporters that was involved, and also Ida. And um, with the funds, we were able to see that she get that reconstruction. Discam Foundation also donated a huge amount towards that. Mm. Um, I think they donated 70000 Yes, seventy-five thousand. Yes, and um, my um, my plastic surgeon Gabriel Dukas got the net care um to help me out as well. They pay for the rehab, they pay for um the first um few surgeries that I had with him, and he also never charged for most of the surgeries that he does on me until Mm -hmm. today, and I still have to go more to do. Yeah, she's not finished. Not finished a long um. Do you think you can love again? 
Yes, I can love again because I believe not every man is the same. She mm. said you have to get to know the people, um, a person better before, you know, just rushing into a relationship that, you know, maybe you uh, and then you end up getting hurt. Your arms are very scarred. Yes. And, and you wear a tank top. Yes, yeah. Uh, do, is that the way you walk around normally? It shows that you're not frightened to show the world that you yes. have been burnt. And, yeah. Yes, um, I believe I didn't create these scars, and they mm. know it's not my fault that they are there. Mm. And um, I'm a person. I'm still me. I'm the same. same. Well, you're still I'm very pretty. I've got to tell you that. You really <laughs> Thank are. You. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Is your so, daughter with you? Yes, she lives with me. And yes. how's she doing? She's doing great. She's great. She's loving school. She just started a grade one this year, and she's just loving school. Does she ever talk about the monster that did this to you? No, she doesn't, because oh. we talk about something else. We don't bring him up, actually. So, yeah. Yes, and um, I'm just very grateful for all the help that I have received, for all the people of South Africa who helped me out, who um, donated funds for me, and to... I'm just very thankful. I'm very thankful. At one point, they said that your chewing was very painful for you. Is it still painful? No, it's not painful. Oh. Actually, I don't take medication anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Fantastic. I used to take about morphine and laricose, like so many of them a day. And now I don't anymore. I don't take any medication. You sleep well at night? I sleep well at night. I don't mm. have nerve pains. I don't have any pain or anything. I is do it, everything at home. Are the burns only on the top part of your body? or Yes, it, just the face and the top part of my body. That's mm-hmm. all. And everything. your legs are right, you can walk well and your feet and all that. Yes, my legs, my feet are right. We just said mm-hmm. oh here, um my legs of course you have to take some skin out for skin graft. Mm-hmm. But otherwise everything is fine. I walk well, I'm not thanks God I didn't get into disabled and uh, everything's fine. <laughs> what about Annery? How much is of a help has she been, support and help? She was there from day one when I went to theater. When I came out, Anuri was there encouraging me, talking to me every single time. And I'm just very thankful. She she was always there for me. Thank you, Anuri. <laughs> Thank you for being there for me. Yeah, God, God sends little angels down, doesn't my he? My counselor as well, because I was yeah. very depressed. Mary Ann, she got me out of that... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. She just, I was so depressed. I was down. She, she helped me so much to stand up for myself and to see the world in a different way as well. She mm. gave me more confidence to be me and walk out. Where is this man? Which prison is he being, or which jail is, is he being housed in? Sun City. Here in Johannesburg? Yes. Is he still there? Mm, I hope so. Mm. You never know with this police system nowadays. When he when he applies for parole, you will be notified. They have to notify you, and then you have the right to say, "Well, I, I don't believe he's entitled to parole. Look what happened to me." Yes. Or you can support his parole. That's your prerogative. But uh, you know, when you show the parole board what he did to you. Um, it may count against him. So yeah, you must be prepared when it comes up. It's a few years time still. That yes. you're there to oppose it. Please don't let that go. And what you should do, do the authorities have your current address and phone numbers and all the rest? Yes, it's detective. Here's my address. Is it the, still the oh, same the, number? And No, the number's changed. Yeah. And um, I, I think, also yeah, screen a lot of the calls coming in yeah. because of previous him, him trying to make contact with her. Yeah. But her advocate and everybody's got her current number, yes. So they know where to get hold of you? 
Yes. The investigating officer, you know, you know who he is? Yes, um, Faisal. Yeah. Okay, something. as long as they know that you are, want to be there when the parole hearing takes place. Yeah, so I want to yeah. be there because yeah. um, I forgive him, but it doesn't mean that he must walk away. He must get away for what he has done. Okay, for a man doing this for a woman, I think it's cruel. Every woman deserves to look, um, wants to feel beautiful and attractive. And you can't just go there and start disfiguring people thinking that you own them. So, um, and yeah, I think what he said to you was, if I can't have you, no one will have no you. No one and will that's have That's why me. he threw this, the acid all over yes, you. Yes, yes. Where does one acquire, where did he get this acid? Where did you get this from? This Hardware store, he said to the judge after lying that he, did, um, he got the acid from, uh, this, his land, landlady and she just left somewhere there and then he kept it away from kids is what he said at the time in court but and then later started, he started confessing saying that he got the um, acid in the hardware store maybe Jack's pains or whatever so they buy all the acids in there terrible yeah you know what I'm quite pleased to see the result of you you, you look you know, you can see you're terribly scarred, but yes. uh, you do have a smile on your face, and I think you're going to move on. You're going to get your matric, yes. and then you're going to try and get a job, I guess. Yes. Um, do you have um, anything in mind, any job that you'd ideally like to have? Yes. My, um, my short-term goal is to uh, – well, I'm looking for a job now. I'm a hairdresser. I did braiding, braids and extensions and blow drying and stuff, mm-hmm. but my long-term um, goal – I want to be a journalist. Okay, there you a go. <laughs> I think you, we got to thank Anna Cox. She's a great journalist, <laughs> yeah, yes. and maybe she'll give you a, a job. She's sure. with uh, Independent News, isn't she? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So Anna Cox. She yes. writes some terrific stuff. I, I hope she hears yes. this podcast <laughs> because she's the one that broke the story, and she's the one that got the monster arrested yes. and sent to jail. Yes, she's the one. With, yeah, with with the private detective. Yes. Yeah, before we let you go, Anna-Ri, anything, the, the Hero Burn Foundation does wonderful work. If you have Thanks. been through all any of a burn or whatever, please speak to anna Yeah, you can make contact with me. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else um, before yes. we let you go? Yes, I was given a scholarship. I'm now studying on weekends. Mm. I'm doing matric on weekends, Samath um, College. Mm. Um and I'm just looking for a part-time um, job that I can do um, from Monday to Friday. Mm. On his own weekends, I'm studying so I can support my daughter. Yeah. She's in grade one. And we're also looking for accommodation as well because the lady who helped me with accommodation um, last year, she was supposed to just help me f- for a year. And mm. it's already a year. If any so. of our fabulous listeners, if you have a, any ideas as far as Anything. accommodation is concerned, yeah. please contact either us or um, Anna Ree at the yes. Hero Burn Foundation, and she'll take care of it. Yes. Uh, we're looking for a job. We're looking for accommodation. Accommodation. Yeah, just anywhere to house you and your little girl. Yes. Who's now what age? Five, She's six. Six. Yes. Oh, She's yeah. in grade one. Yeah, my little boy's the same age. So, oh. Yeah, maybe you can get them together. <laughs> It'll be fabulous. Yeah. Yes. So, Thank you. It's not easy to tell the story, and you were very tearful throughout, and so were we, Lions. Certainly yeah. we were, and thank yeah. you so very much for being so honest and generous with your Thank you, and thank for everyone that helped me out. I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you. There's one we thing I want to say before we go that Oprah said something that I often quote. She says, when people show you who they are, believe them. True. Yes, yeah. it's true. true. Believe yeah. them. And you cannot change anyone. No. Uh, 
it's Never. not for you to yes. change anyone. Yes. Let my, them go. Maybe somebody else will deal with them. Yes, but and don't, my, yeah, you made that one mistake. You thought, yes, well, I'll change yes, and all the rest. Yes. No ways. Well, my yeah. advice to the ladies out there, if you see the sign, just get help and get out. And mm. um, let's raise the bar and let's stop men from abusing women. That deep inner voice from your heart, just listen to it. Because when I look back, I see all those signs that I ignored, mm. thinking that I could change somebody. So Oprah is right. Mm. And for the ones that uh, have been burned in, like in my situation, which are still um, not that emotional strong. So just remain, try to remain positive. And I know life can be depressing. Um, pray a lot. Um, get as much counseling as you can. And have a lot of faith. Yeah, always follow your gut. Yes. You know you're right. Yes. You know that he's you bad. You know you're right. It's bad. Just walk get, away. Yeah, walk away. He there are so many women that are trapped yes. in these abusive relationships. And we wonder why. And everyone says, well, I know I can change him. I know that I'm strong enough to make a difference and, yes. and so on. Yes. Right. So It's all very well. Am I right, anna Yes, I, definitely. Yeah. Um, we recently also, well, we get it a lot where yeah. um, women are thrown with paraffin or petrol and set alight. And this is a power control thing yes. where they want to destroy that person. And obviously they do. They change their lives forever. And we had a situation now in December where a lady was thrown with paraffin and set alight and mm. she passed away on, in the end of December and her perpetrator is still out there. Um, tragic. So. Absolutely tragic. Okay, many, many thanks to both of you and uh, we need Thank a break you. right now. We try to get the fat chef on the line. Uh, we'll be right back. Thank, Thank you. I'm Gary Hertzberg. And this is Lionel. Through with Lionel McCorkatlela. And this is the laws of life. Yeah. Yes. Are we are we through? Albert, do we have you on the line? Yes, you do. Perfect, Albert. We can hear you loud and clear. I can't hear Albert. Albert? Yes. I'm here. Hi. Uh, Albert from the Western Cape. You're the South African fat chef that was scoped out of New Zealand because they said you were too fat. It's a crazy story, but it's all true. So you, yes, you've arrived back in South Africa. You're now in Wellington in the Western Cape. Yep, I am. I've, I was in Pretoria up till about November last year, and then we moved down here. Okay, I interviewed you about two years ago or a year and a half ago when you were still in New Zealand, and you were trying yep. to get your visa extended, but unfortunately it didn't work. No, it didn't. Now, the, the story is that you were too fat and that's why they scorped you out. Is that true? Oh, no. Technical errors. I think we lost him. Yeah. But it's kind of a crazy story. How do you kick a person because of their obeseness? Hey, Gary? What? Albert, are you still there? Yes, I'm Is it true that they, they, they kicked you out because you were too fat? Hello? Can you hear us? Albert? Can, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Did, did, did the Kiwis uh, scorp you out because you were too fat? In the beginning, that's what they said. But when it hit the media, they changed the whole story and said it was, you know, health reasons and fat people tend to, to get high black pleasure and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's, a rather, it's, it's, it's rather strange because you were there for a number of years. How long were you in New Zealand? 
ideas in total. Yeah. I mean, that shouldn't be like that after eight years for them to tell you your visa's been, what, cancelled or not renewed or what, what did they, what not was? Renewed. Yeah. Um, there are many expat South Africans that are, have returned. I remember reading an article maybe a year or so ago that 400,000 white expat South Africans have returned to the land of their birth, to South Africa, which is good news for us. The question is, how are you doing in uh, South Africa? Have you found your way yet? Um, no, not really. Uh, we, we were looking for work for about 10 months uh, from when we came back. And then I found this guy, it's actually surreal. He knew about me from back in New Zealand. He heard the story or he read it in the news. And then he said he needed a chef. Uh, he put a small ad in the burger, which we don't do up in Pretoria. And a friend of mine in Cape Town saw it and sent it to me. And when I found him, he actually exactly knew who I was. Mm. So he offered me the work immediately. So are you quite happy in Wellington? Is it a nice place? Yeah, it's, an, it's a lovely place. It's the Boerland, isn't it? Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. You can support uh, Boerland rugby there. They need the extra support. Nah, blue balls. <laughs> Thank you, Victoria. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, Albert, uh, you were, you know, things will, the wheels round, they say, and uh, hopefully South Africa offers you, especially that part of the world, what you're looking for. Yes, I hope so. Well. And you can pull a tongue out at the New Zealanders for having thrown you out because you're too fat. Crazy. Yeah, well, third fattest country in the world, say that, so. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I last spoke to you, you told me that uh, they're not so thin themselves. They have a serious obesity problem in New Zealand because they eat, yes, yeah, they eat something you explained, like fat or something. Uh, I can't remember. Yes. Uh, lamb flax or sheep flax. Uh, it's the, the stomach part that's very fatty. Yeah. So they just boil it up and eat it. Yeah. They're, they're islanders now. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, good luck in South Africa. We like to welcome people back to the country of their birth, and we hope you find your way here. And Thanks a lot. And uh, that's Albert Batenes. The podcast that we had with Albert, uh, we'll put it up somewhere. And uh, if you want to hear more about Albert, it was a very interesting interview I did with him maybe a year or so ago. But anyway, thank you, Albert, and good luck. Cheers. Bye. Anyway, that's the end of our show, Lines. The first part was… Uh, rather was emotional. Very emotional. And this one was rather light and yeah. very funny. Yeah. How do you throw a person because of their overweight? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. The, the Kiwis do strange things. They play good rugby, but uh, other than that, I don't know. Anyway, it's, uh, that's the end of our show. This is the Laws of Life. Please get hold of us and let us know what you think of us. And uh, if you have any other ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Good. And until next Tuesday, I'm Gary Hertzberg with Lionel Makokutlela. Cheers till then. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.